Hey, what's up? I'm Janae Tien. I'm CJ. And welcome to another episode on our podcast. You good? You good? Today, we are going to talk about something that I think we can all relate to. First of all, you're looking really fancy today. Man, I don't know I, what you're talking about. It's just another day for me. You look fabulous. Tell me what you're wearing right now. <laughs> oh, well, obviously, I'm wearing the latest Lightning Boy poncho coming soon. Um, obviously, working on the production, but uh, we will be dropping links to that. You just look, I just feel like there, I mean, I know we're, we're just recording and that's, you know, no one can see you, but you look fab and I think you're very, you have a very individual style. So you obviously know who you are. Is that always natural or? Um, you know what? No, it looked, it took a <laughs> no. lot of, it, no, no, <laughs> no, <yeah>. no. <laughs> so obviously there's some country in the background. Um, <laughs> it took a lot of searching and figuring out. Uh, look, we want to talk about a topic that I think we can all relate to and that's finding out who the hell am I? We, um, I mean, everybody goes through the, the teenage phases, right, Siege, about finding out, you know, what, what, what I want to wear. I think at one point I was wearing wigs at like, you know, 16, uh, yeah, trying to straighten um, my hair. I was all over the place. Yeah, I, I, uh, I didn't do much of the wigs, but... Um, <laughs> <I> did, <laughs> no, really? No, no, just a few, but they didn't work out. Um, <laughs> yeah, like uh, even with uh, sports, who you want to be when you grow up, why do you like so many things that other people like you don't seem to like why are things growing out of here why are things growing out of there it's just (laughs) it's a weird time so i think today's guest you will all be well acquainted with at the end of this podcast if you are not already we're having portia cannon on yes that's right cannon so that name is very familiar it is your sister and my dearly beloved sister-in-law portia cannon aka barber in the house barbara p in the house what's going on y'all how you doing comes with her own sound effects (laughs) you're always welcome here you don't you don't need any buttons you don't need any ipads imax whatever y'all you you know i'm saying you don't need none of that i've got my own thank (laughs) you (laughs) the imax okay so obviously she's showing her age already before even introducing herself i'm showing my maturity i know you guys always trying to crack on that i'm showing my maturity not my age there's a difference Nice. Well, um, welcome again. Um, just we got lost in the intro and all your drops that you had coming in, but um, well, <laughs> welcome. Um, how are things going for you over in the states at this time? Whew. Right now, we're in the middle of uh, a lot of stuff going on around here in the states. Definitely feeling the uh, feeling the effects of what's happening with this COVID nineteen coronavirus scare quarantine in the U.S. and California, um, particularly. And um, for me, being a person that loves to be out or moving and shaking or at least being productive, this has been a real rough week for me. I've had to find other ways to be productive out, outside of going outside. But, um, you know, we're going to survive. It's all good. We're going to make it. Make it we, get will to we will rebuild. We will. We will. We are going rebuild. to rebuild. Thank you. Thank you. We are going right. to rebuild. I think a lot of people have to understand that, like, yes, it's very serious. And we, we spoke about this in our first episode uh, about coronavirus and CJ's anxiety around it. Um, I think we kind of did, we've been progressing with feeling on this. Like, you know, as it first came out, we're like, oh, dang, this is crazy. And then it kind of was like, okay, wow, this is actually, my life is no longer. And then you see people who are dying and who are really sick and you start worrying about your elderly family members and friends. And so it definitely has shaken us up a little bit and we understand the severity. So I want people to understand when you're listening, we do understand the severity of coronavirus, um, but people deal with 
tough situations in different ways. And we particularly, I don't know about anybody else, but black people, we love to joke about things yeah, to get us through. Oh man, that's it's, that's it's it. Jokes. That's how you get through. You get through yeah. by clowning, people. cracking, and laughing about it because otherwise we've had there's there's on a daily basis when there's no pandemic or worldwide global epidemic happening. There's so much going on on an everyday basis that keeps us depressed, down, sad, stressed, wigging out over money, relationships, life, kids, whatever your life has. So black people have found a way throughout the years to just get through things because we've been through a lot of things as a generation or as a as, as not a generation, as a um, as a culture. So we, we, we laugh at it, you know, not laugh at it, but we laugh through it. That's a better way to say it. We, we, we there you go. We laugh, laugh through it. it. And there's, there's been a lot of people all around the world making some amazing memes and videos on TikTok, which, by the way, we're showing our maturity. We don't understand TikTok. We we're trying to, to get oh on my TikTok. God. But we can't tick and talk and talk nope. and tick. We don't understand. We can't it. talk to tick, man. You got to be under <laughs> nah. 25 to talk to tick. I'm telling you. I look like I had a tick when we was on there. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's been a struggle. But back to the topic of today is who the hell am I? Um, we want to we want to have a chat with you about some things. Yeah, um, basically, Definitely. we want to do a bit of a, a a shallow deep dive, if that makes sense, <laughs> into your background. And I guess for you, let's 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 take a step back. Let's take a step back and talk to the people about how or what you identify by as an individual. Okay, definitely, definitely. Um, so for those of you who don't know me. Um, I do identify as an LGBT black stud. And if you don't know what that means at this day and age, I'm going to go ahead and bust it down. Um, (laughs) I'm a black woman who dates other women, preferably. Um, Also, I prefer to dress comfortable. And for me, comfortability usually lands me in the men's section. It is what it is. Okay. Well, to backtrack (laughs) on that, I will. I just want to keep it short and sweet. I just want to keep no, it short and sweet. So you completely understood the shallow deep dive. Anyway. Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Right. So that, wait, wait, wait. Um, Pause. I gotta I gotta interject here, CJ, because you you with your shallow deep dives statement took me back to a memory of my mom's voicemail on her voice on her um cell phone. Oh, we pod now. Oh, <laughs> okay, here we oh, go. We, we doing this, we doing this. Yeah, she we used to now. say, she used to say, please leave a brief detailed message i used to be so confused how do you be how can you be brief and detailed so your shallow deep dive i I was ready i've been prepped since birth for this for the shallow deep dive that's all she was saying i just i just you know that's it it. that's it that's it i uh definitely benefited from your choice of clothing growing up um when i was in the little foot phase um, I was definitely able to sneak a pair of J's and Air Force Ones and whatever else I wanted oh at the time. Oh my, you were the you were the epitome of a younger brother. You were definitely the cliche of why older siblings despise their <laughs> younger siblings growing up. Because I again, if you don't know me, which you get those of you who don't know me will get to know me through this podcast, but I'm a shoe fanatic. I'm no longer calling myself a shoe head because I do believe that the shoe game has completely changed for my generation. But enough of that. I'm not going to go into that. But I that's do a whole another podcast. That's a whole another podcast, growing a whole another hour. Um, <laughs> I do enjoy a clean, fresh, unique. My biggest thing is a unique pair of shoes. I love J's, but I'm not a I'm not a hardcore J person. I like a unique pair of shoes. They could be sneakers. 
loafers, casual. I like a unique pair of shoes that will turn heads when I put it with the right pants or slacks Woo! and top. Mm. Come on now. Snap it next. <laughs> Come on now. Pop the collar three times. Come on you now. Playing? For real, sister. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. All right, for we real. We said for... shallow deep, girl. We said shallow deep. I'm, you did I'm up say to shallow deep. right now, and I'm like 6'6". Six, six. <laughs> That's so, so shallow, low key. Anyway. <laughs> all right. So back to um, you identifying as a stud. We would like to touch on your journey with coming out and the effects on your mental health, good and bad. Yeah, when was that moment when there, you huh? realized... Well, we're well yeah, we're there. We're, we're going. We're going to go deep now. And when oh, so no was, when was it when you realized? Well, we'll, we'll get shallow a little bit. <laughs> we'll get shallow a little bit. But let's go dive in. Come on, girl. All right, when all right, when was on. that moment when you realized? You know, I need to uh, outwardly express to my friends and family about how I'm feeling about who I'm attracted to. Okay. With many aspects in life, and it's been this has been my get down or my viewpoint for a long time, probably mid teenager, you know, I'm just speculating here. Cause I don't really remember what I was thinking as a teenager like that, but I've always been pretty comfortable with who I am or how I, how I felt about different situations. So as far as coming out, um, I always knew that I like girls. I didn't know exactly how to deal with that situation or, you know, how to, how to, um, navigate through it because they didn't have any guidance in that in that area. So you know, growing up, there there have been two or three significant stories throughout my young childhood that I was told by through my mom and dad. I was one time I was seven, another time I was thirteen, to where they really noted. Hold on, our daughter might be a little different today. I don't know, you know, because little things I said or did growing up, which led me to high school. High school is when I actually came out. Tenth uh, grade. <laughs> You guys ready for this? It's a funny story. No, oh, yeah, I'm buckled in. I'm buckled in. <laughs> okay, check it. Check it. Everybody put your seatbelts on. It's a sweet, it's a sweet short ride. So in high school, um, I was struggling with, not struggling with uh, coming out or not or, or letting me know what I like. I had no issue with what I liked or didn't like because I have always been comfortable. But there was a small incident where because of me being comfortable with what I like, it led me to get into trouble with a girl that I was trying to impress who was a senior. I'm a junior. I'm sorry, I'm a, uh, I'm not junior, I'm a sophomore, I'm in 10th grade. She's a senior. Um, I'm kicking it with her in, in our Spanish class and she dares me to, she dares me to flick another girl's titties. And this girl just happened to have really big wonkers, like huge what ones. What is going on? <laughs> you got to put a disclaimer to, this is, this is, on like No, type this is totally, paper. check it, this is totally relevant. Like this is, this is how comfortable I was in the 10th grade with who I was. Because I wanted to impress this girl who was a senior so bad that I took this dare in the middle of our busy Spanish class that had all of our collective friends in it. And I took this dare like a champ. I dropped a school pencil next to this girl, acted like I was picking it up. And I came up and kind of maybe bumped her special places, you know, and, and, and everybody laughed. We all we were joking. About no harm. Wait, wait. Oh, oh it was a different time. It was a different time. We talking... 90, 94, y'all. We talked about 2020. We're talking 1994. So this girl, you know, she plays. At first, she's excited. Then she's upset, and she chases me. Class over. We out. I'm in my next class thinking nothing about it. My next class is driver's ed. I love driver's ed. I love driving. 
driver's ed in high school? Yes, remember she said this was in the 1920s. Oh, I'm sorry, 1920s, okay. CJ just roasted me with the 1920s comment. Don't think I can hear that. So I get picked up out of my next class, driver's ed, by security. I'm the kid that never gets in trouble, never been suspended, detention, nothing like that. So for security to come pull me out, everybody's, ooh, you know, doing that whole thing. What was they, what was they like? What were they like? They were like, ooh, <laughs> as, ooh you, oh, y'all know how it was. Stop playing. Y'all might be three I years know, old. I know, I know. Oh, 90s, 20s. <laughs> <laughs> oh, y'all roasted me. Y'all roasted me on my own story. They picked you up in a horse and carriage? <laughs> <laughs> they did. They did. They did. I had to get in the back. They was whipping horses. It was crazy. It was crazy. So we get to the principal's office, and he had already been, he had already determined I was guilty. Didn't ask me a question. Slid me my, my, um, suspension papers and was like, I'll see you in three, four days. Whoa, wait a minute. This kid has never been suspended, expelled, detention. I got to go home. And my mom didn't play that. She was all about school. You had to have B plus or better. You had to go to school. Like my mom was not about messing around at school with grades or attendance. So I'm walking home. This is like the green mile. Man, I've got to, I better tell my mom before they call home. I get home. She gets home like five, 10 minutes after me. I sit down and say, hey, mom, I want to tell you about my school day. She's like, okay, what's up? She's sitting down at the dinner table, eating an apple. We're just chopping it up. And I was like, you know what? She remembers the fruit. today. I do. She was eating a red apple. It was a pretty red apple, too. I do. It's, 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 I don't know why. She's like, okay, I was cool. Oh, it was cool. You know, it was a good day. But I kind of got suspended, unfolded my little paper, slid it to her across the table. She looking like this. kind of get suspended. Yeah, yeah. I got, I got suspended a little bit. I'm in the 10th grade trying to play this out because I got to tell my mom that I flicked the body city in school. Like, it's not going to be cool. Like, I have to figure out how to do this. Mind you, I'm in the 10th grade. I don't really know how to do this. I slided a paper. She's like, man, what happened? And at that moment, I paused. And in my mind, I had about 18 thoughts. Do I tell her why I got suspended or do I just say I got in trouble and hope that they don't give her details? And that was the moment that I made the mental choice because I had always been always been comfortable with who I was. The only time I was ever uncomfortable growing up with who I with who I felt like I was, who I I'm gonna say who I felt like I was because I didn't know then until later. But the only time I was uncomfortable was when I had to wear lacy Easter dresses. That wasn't my thing. That wasn't my style. <laughs> I didn't want to be in. A- Which we have an amazing self portrait of you yes, in a lacy in the white Easter dress. Oh, don't you guys? Don't you guys do that? Mom won, obviously. We might need to find it. I think you guys shouldn't. But anyway, so I, I slided the paper. I tell her, hey, I got suspended. And at that moment, in the split second, I thought, there's two scenarios, two paths I could take. You know what? I'm going to take the path. This is a day that I own how I feel. That was my, that was my thought as a 10th grader, sitting at the table talking to my mom, my mom about being suspended for the first time in my school history. And I tell her, hey, I got suspended for sexual harassment. She stops. She's like, what? She kind of gives me a look like, huh? And I lay out the story to her. The same story I told you guys on the podcast a few minutes ago was the same story I told my mom, damn near verbatim. And I remember when I got to the end of the story and told her how I had touched the girl and she didn't like it, uh, she stopped biting her apple. And the craziest thing, I'll never forget this, but it took me, when you guys want to, this is where the mental health part ties in, when you want to talk about was I good. At that moment, I wasn't good because she comes back, re- replies and says, well, damn. I would have rather heard you were pregnant. Like, I can't even express how that made me feel at that moment. Like, wow. Because when she asked me why I did it, I thought, well, I kind of like this other girl. And I laid out the story of how I, what led me to even do that action to get suspended. So I divulged everything to her. 
at that point, at that dinner table, with me and her. And that kind of, you know, that made me feel some kind of way, which, and she did what a lot of parents back in my generation or during my time coming up when it comes to it, having a child who is LGBT and, and coming out to the family, they, they struggle with that. A lot of family will immediately think, what did I do wrong? How did I mess up raising you? Wait, are you saying, sorry, your mom said she would rather you've been pregnant than you be, than you be gay? Yeah, that's, for, that's pretty is much that what you're saying. saying? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so she, so when you, so when you came out to your mom and you said, you know, this is how I feel, whatever, she stopped what she was doing and then basically was like, you know, I would have rather you told me you were pregnant versus you telling me that you, you like girls, that you're gay. Absolutely, she was, she stopped eating that apple just to make sure she paused to say just what you said. I would have rather heard you were pregnant than you were, than you got suspended for because you like girls. Like, well, how did you feel, and and what was the next? couple of months if not years like after that man i was met with threats of being sent to my family in in georgia to go live with them because they they've got better better southern like southern christian values they can instill in me they were gonna pray the gay out of me it was gonna, oh man beat the gay out of me it's just it was a lot that went on for a few months and um what i do appreciate about my mom's journey because, like it was a journey for me the entire time growing up, knowing I like girls, but not really understanding how to deal with that feeling or emotion or thought. I praise, even though it was rough for me going through this with my mom at the time because I was younger, looking back on it as an adult in a different mental space, I appreciate her for going through that because that was her process. She had to process what I told her and she utilized her support network of friends and trusted family to talk through that with. And she came out on the other end to say, you know what? You're my daughter. You've always been a good student. You're not on drugs. You're not, you're not um, robbing, stealing, killing people or doing anything. You're not doing anything reckless. You're, reckless. Yeah, you're, you're, you're good. You're, you're only thing different is that you like. Girls. Exactly. So at, at the end of a few months, I mean, it was a long few months at the end of that, her conclusion was, you know, what? at the end of the day, you're still my kid. You're still not all of these terrible things that you could be outside of liking girls. So why am I tripping? Um, yeah, I've been quiet for a little bit of this um, just because I'm, I'm learning all of this now live or at, as, at least as we record. Wow, um, serious? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know wow. the details behind it. Um, because how old the, how old were the, you, CJ? When when she was in tenth grade, how old would you have been? Um, how old are you in tenth okay, grade? So what, 14, 13? You're about like no, you're about fifteen. You're between sixteen, fifteen, and seventeen. I'll just say that, depending on what your birthday is. Okay, so so I was nine or ten right. years old. You said you said yep. you between eight and ten. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, between eight and ten, and during this happening. So I guess. It would have been a lot for an eight-year-old to, well, even if the eight-year-old was exposed to it or, or knew what was going on, you wouldn't really know what was you going understand, on. You would understand, right. Um, being eight years old. I just remember, um, I remember a few tough, tough conversations between you and mom, um, definitely between you and dad. Man. Um, but again, I didn't fully, I, yeah, right, right. I didn't fully touch on, I didn't fully realize what was going on mm -hmm. um, 
So I just wanted to kind of pinpoint the fact that this is almost very heavy for me to hear right now because wow, in all this time, CJ, I more saw the short wow, side. I, 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 right, I saw the short wow. side of it where I thought, um, our dad was more on the less accepting end, and mom was more. I mean, obviously, like again, she came around and everything was all not all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything was it, it, it was ironed better, out, but um, yeah, things ironed out. But yeah, just hearing that almost makes events uh, seem different in my head now. And I just always remember thinking, well, it's Portia. Whether she turned blue in the morning, then she's still Portia. You know, right. but that. But again, I'm an eight-year-old and you're my sister. Right. So. But yeah, if you'd like to, if you'd like to uh, turn a little bit into um, the story with how dad took it. My mother has been my guide in light my entire life. So of course she was going to be the first one, even if it didn't happen the way right. it happened. I feel like she was always going to be the first one that I confided in. I always felt that way. I just didn't know how it was going to happen. And and off top, without question, my brother was next. You know that that after he stopped getting on my nerves as a little kid, we actually had a good relationship. <laughs> oh my god! Well, I still get on your nerves I now, mean, so don't cut my credit. Does. Oh man! <laughs> so next next was my brother. You know because um. Oh wait, you know what? Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Actually, I have to recant that last statement. Next wasn't my brother. And this is not in order of importance. This was actually in order of events, just period. So after the time with my mom, at some point during those months when my mom was going through her own processing, uh, my dad was kind of got wind of what was going on. And I decided at this point, I've told the person who I've, in, in a sense, for, for lack of a better word at the moment, I feared telling, not because of her reaction, but just that was just that's just a big burden whether you feel like your parents are going to be receptive or they're going to reject it, it's still a heavy weight to carry to have to say those words only because society has already built a wall around you through through uh, social media or just through society's views. Remember, this is 90s. This is the mid-90s we're talking about. So things were more progressive, but not as much as they are today in 2020. At this point, with the stuff I've been dealing with my mom, I have I have I have armor because I, I protected myself from her while she was going through her thing because some of the things that she had to go through it, it hurt you know the the things that she had to go through the say do or how you know her interaction with me changed for a few months and it, they didn't feel good so at this point I'm like I am an army of one I will tell whoever because I feel better at the end of the day that I have said it and I don't have to act anymore I don't have to put on a persona for other people I felt like a ton was lifted off of me so I was ready to tell my dad who was somebody I probably would have feared immensely to tell because I don't have a great relationship with him at this point and he doesn't live with us at this point at this point they're separated they're living in separate households I'm at his house I sit him down hey pop uh, I don't really know how to tell you this but I like girls and that's exactly how it happened I didn't, I didn't prep it up I didn't try and fluff it. You didn't sugarcoat it or anything like he that. He sat in a chair. I sat in a chair across from him in his living room. And I, I, I pleasantries, of course. Hey, how you doing? You good? You cool? Well, I just want, I came over to tell you something. What's up? Boom. Dropped it on him. And I remember his body language like nobody's business. He, he was already relaxed in the chair for the most part. But he sunk in, his shoulders sunk into the back of the chair. And he completely relaxed from head to toe. And he looked left, he looked right, or right to left. I don't remember exactly. But then he goes, so you like women? 
and I'm I kind of want to laugh like dude I literally just said I like girls like, like that's what I just said. <laughs> Ashton Kutcher's not gonna come out and say you've been punked right, right. so I just kind of I just looked at him thinking is he joking like I really took it in for a is he joking right now or and I'm going okay yeah I answered the question because he didn't make any other statements or gestures he really just said that and sat there waiting for a response I was like oh he's not He's not kidding. So I responded. I'm like, I said, yeah, you know, I, I, I like girls. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. His, his, after that point, once I confirmed what he thought he may have heard, which is exactly what I just said anyway, his entire body language mm-hmm. changed. He went from being relaxed to tense and it made me feel uncomfortable. Like, okay, so you're not taking this very well. He didn't really, I don't remember exactly what he said after that. But the body language made me feel like, oh, you're not taking this well, which I didn't think you would. But now I've delivered the message. I got to go. One thing he said to me, though, well, you need to tell your brother because my brother is seven years, my my junior. So he was actually just about to go to the high school I was going to graduate from at this point. At this point, I'm already a senior by the time I I tell him, telling my dad and I'm I'm close to graduating. Actually, I got a chance to graduate early. So it was two years was, later when you told this was almost this is about a year and a half later. About a year and a half later. Grade. Yeah. About a year and a half later. Okay. Um I told my remember, there were a few months, and I say a few months, but it could have been at least a year, where my mom went through her own thing with, with her with herself, with me. Mm. So you were dealing with each person individually. So Absolutely. I was doing mom first. I'll get to that with mom first. And then once that kind of settled, the dust is settled, you kind of moved mm-hmm. on to your dad. And you know what? All this actually makes perfect sense um, as to how I recount the events, just because with mom and the way she goes through things, she always protected us first. So with that said, what I'm saying is she, I wouldn't have known that she was going through, going yeah, through yeah, something yeah. like that because it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been just an outward, you know, affecting every aspect she wouldn't of change the day how situation. she interacted with It would have been you. business as mm-hmm. usual. Right. So I wouldn't have even really known that. Now, on the other end, as far as you not telling dad a year and a half later, um, that makes sense as well because he he his his he more out outwardly reacts, not outwardly in like, you know, crazy more way, immediate. but I mean like you can read him right, and you can read him a little easier. And I remember I remember things being a bit off. And at, at that point, mom is probably already settled with it. Mm-hmm. So I, that's why I remember dad being reacting to it uh, more negatively than mom, because it, it seemed like he was, I saw you him, remember that, I right? Saw, you you know? have two different people who deal with their emotions mm-hmm. in different ways. So what you're saying is your dad will out. I mean, first of all, your dad's a Pisces like me. So we, we wear a heart on our sleeves. Right. So how it's are we gonna feeling? Be... Ooh, you're going to yes, know it about is. it. You're going to know about it. Um, your mom is she, she's May. Is that oh, is no, that baby. Gemini? All day. So you know that's that's a little different. You know we got the walls up here. We got the protection going on. So you have two different people with their emotions. Talk us through your interaction with CJ, and then we're going to move on to yeah, absolutely, your absolutely. Health. Um, and 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 telling my dad, which my mom mentioned, he goes, "Well, you need to tell your brother because he's going to be in high school. They're going to tease him." Because they know you and they're going to tease him while he's coming up because he's got a gay sister. And that's not verbatim, but it was along the lines of that. So I'm sitting there like, wow, dude, like, really? Okay, bet. Because my brother and I have a way better relationship than me and you anyway. This is my mental, my mental thoughts. So I'm, I don't mind telling him. I know he's going to be like, and, or, you know, my, that's my thought process. He's not going to trip on it like you guys did because I felt confident in that. So I went. 
got, you know, got CJ within the next couple of days and we talked and we went out and drove somewhere. I don't recall, but I took him out somewhere at the time I could drive and he couldn't. So I took him out. We hung out and I talked to him. His, when I first, when I told him, Hey man, I just want to tell you something. I just want to tell you. What's up, P? I like girls, man. He looked at me and goes, well, duh, I already know that. And I looked at him like, hey, what? <laughs> <laughs> it was the first time I got a chance to react uh-huh. and be dumbfounded by the reaction of the person I'm talking to because he hit me with, I already knew that. And I lo- he threw me off. Yeah. Welcome he's like, oh, party. you finally Thank realized goodness. that you like girls? Like, no, wait, how did you know I did? So anyway, um, and so he, he tells me a little short story that to why he already knew that or why he already felt that that's what was going on with me. And he goes, remember... I found a letter. He said, I, me and Jason, which was another little kid that um, grew up with us in our, on, our, on our street that hung out at our house a lot. Like, uh, side note, my mom had like seven other unofficial sons from the neighborhood that all grew up the same time Charles did. Same age. coming. Oh, my God. They're still around. Today, and they're yes, uncles, two yes. kids. 20, 20 something years 20 later, years these boys later. are still very tangible. Call them out. Call them out. <laughs> Call them out. Call them out. Ruben, Jason, I mean, the whole, Bear, the whole block. Uh, Let's see. Yeah. Ruben, Jason, Lawrence, Terrell, yes, Terrell. Cecil, Josh, Josh, Johnny, Josh, Johnny, Cecil. Cecil, yep. You said Cecil already. Who else? That's Rodney. Man, I don't know. Rodney. Run it, run it. All Mel these, Martin, all these guys, all these guys were my unofficial little <laughs> brothers because they, our house growing up was the house you came to kick it at, the house you came to get fed. And but don't get it twisted, Miss Mamie didn't play that. If you didn't follow the rules of the house, or you trying to run from your house because you did something wrong, you were gonna catch consequences at Miss Mamie's house. Mind you, this was not this was the nineties, you guys. So don't get it <laughs> twisted. Everybody raised the whole neighborhood raised <laughs> kids in the nineties. We all raised each other. So anyway, fast forward to that conversation I had it's with Charles. Um, he hit me with that, and he goes, "Well, Jason and I were in the living room one day, and we found a letter stuffed in the couch." that I had no, I did not remember at all. I wrote a letter to the girl who I got suspended behind, which, side note, later in life, I ended up dating for a long time. That's a whole nother podcast. Oh, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> and he, and he tells circle. me that him and Jason found this letter, and they read it, and I was expressing my feelings to Amber, and that was his... Ooh, she didn't drop the name. Oh. <laughs> you snitching, yeah, though. So edit that out. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so he had dropped. So anyway, he had he had said they they sat and read the letter. They were old enough to read, obviously. They read the letter expressing my feelings, blah blah blah. And <laughs> <laughs> yes, I said that. I was like, I hope you can read. My, my five year old can get there. Blake could have read that. He's only seven. Like really. <laughs> okay, okay. So they read the letter. And he told me about it then. But I was actually really side note and kudos to my little brother because. He was actually my little brother at this time. Like like we said earlier, he was between eight and ten when all this was going down. And they found that letter sometime because once he told me what it was, I at some point I remembered writing it, but I didn't remember losing it. And I was really thrown back by the fact that they read that and he kept quiet about it. He didn't tell my mom. He didn't tell me. He didn't ask me questions. He never changed his stripes. You're a writer. Aww, hey. Loyal. It's, Although it's cold in the neighborhood. I'm about you know, to bust a half a codes. bubble. Although Uh-oh. you pull Hold your on. little brother, no edit, edit nothing. Point. You pull your little brother car when you get when you get in your feelings. <laughs> like when I don't want to take you to Magic Mountain with me and my homies, and you put nails behind my car because you can't go. 
and I pop okay, your tires. So Nobody have a magic mountain. That's some hater. That's some hater move. <laughs> so back to back to the story. Yeah, back to the story. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. We're about to wrap it up in a minute. Look, this ain't a brother sister reminisce for four hours. Listen, look. You mentioned in there. CJ wants to bring it up. You mentioned in there your armor. So talk talk us through um, ways that you have learned throughout your life, then and now, where you have created wow. an armor of protection to handle your mental health and to to maintain it and to stay afloat through everything with finding wow. who you are. We are no longer in the shallow end, people. Everybody put on your floaties. We're going to the 12-foot pool. Okay. Recently, I've learned how a lot of my childhood and armor that, you, that you're speaking of a second ago, Janae, have affected me as an adult in my personal relationships and working relationships. Um, I was, like I mentioned earlier, um, I know that the listeners heard me say that my parents were separated at, at a point. There were a couple of points during my parents' marriage that they were separated prior to my mom passing away in 2011. And through those times, they were really rough for her. And one thing, because I was the oldest child, um, one thing that she always taught me or one thing that she always said to me is that Portia, always know what Portia can do for Portia. Don't rely on other people to completely do everything for you. It's okay if people do things for you, but don't rely on them to be your sole provider or your sole person to do things for you. Mm. Because if they ever leave you, whether they leave or they pass away, or if they're not in your life anymore, you have to be able to sustain yourself. And I... Because right. my mom was my rock star, my hero, my ride or die, my rock. I took everything she said and it was golden times a thousand. So I took that mentality of being a supremely independent person and being able to do for myself. And I ran with it so much so that it caused me problems later in my life when I fell into a relationship that I know now was actually could have possibly been more helpful for me. But because I was so independent, I didn't know how to be a partner. I didn't know how to be, I didn't know how to allow mm. someone else to take some of the load or not feel insufficient if I couldn't carry the load because I've always been a load carrier. My mom was the load carrier for myself and my brother while, you know, while we were kids and she was instilling that in me and I took that and ran with it throughout life and never once did it cause me a problem until recently. I've understood how that armor it's okay to have an armor of protection where to be an individual, to be self-sufficient, to be that person who doesn't need anyone. And I'm using air quotes. The adult <laughs> part of that section is that you need to learn when to put the armor on and when to put it away. It's okay to have it, but you have to know how to use it. And um, through a series of, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say this, through a series of unfortunate events, I am in a place in my life now today <laughs> that I'm still learning how to put the armor on and take the, or when to put it on and when to take it off, who to be, who to be armored up against in life and who to be completely disarmed right. and vulnerable to in life and know how to separate those things. Because the entire time I've only been independent, individual, armored up all the way. And it's worked for me until now. Right. And I, I think that's vital what a point that you're saying i mean it's all one thing to be super strong and able to handle and deal with situations but you also have to understand when it's time and when it's okay to be vulnerable let others in and i mean that can be difficult if you've let the wrong people mm -hmm. in and they hurt you and then you put your armor back up so it i mean we're always learning um who our safe places are who our safe people are and how to balance that independence level 
So definitely. Yeah. Moving forward, what are some tips you think you can give the listeners about how to properly use their armor and how to protect themselves um, with their mental health without shutting others out? Okay. I would definitely say this is going to be cliche. and Everyone has probably heard this a million times. And if you haven't, here's the first time. Do unto others as you want done unto you. I'm going to bust that down. If you want someone to treat you with respect, you better hush. Take us to hush. church. If you want somebody to treat you Come with respect, Come on now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm done. I'm so done. <laughs> I'm about to take y'all to church. Church. Reverend Anna Barber. Wait a minute. Hallelujah. Not Reverend Anna Barber. A barber is a, a reverend is part of the barber resume, honey. Stop. Let me just need you to go ahead and bring that back. Bring it back. Oh. All right. Anyway, Lord. anyway, anyway. Portia's a barber, and she feels like she's God's gift, not only to the hair follicles, Aww. but to people's lives when she's communicating with them. And you're right, she is. Anyway, um, choir and deacons. Hallelujah. <laughs> um, you guys made me lose my train of thought. Do on, do on to, to others. others. Do on to others as you. Yes. Do on to others as you want done unto yourself. Um, and I, I say that because you have to stop and put yourself in other people's shoes. And I know that's cliche. Everyone says it, but to actually fit, to actually do it and put your mental status into their mental status in that situation and remove all of your inhibitions or all of your preconceived notions about that situation. It's actually a tough, it's tough to do in order to really see somebody's viewpoint. And I think it's really important to stop and be less selfish with ourselves, no matter how small or how minor or how great the situation is that you're dealing with or the conversation or the incident, you have to stop and pull yourself completely out of the situation from where you see it or how you want it to go and place your entire being into that other person's shoes and view that same situation from how they see it. Because now you can understand why they may be saying or doing or reacting or not acting if you can get an understanding of why they're doing or not doing what they're doing, you can understand how you affect them or how you don't affect them, how your actions help or hurt them, which will help you be a better person because you'll understand how to navigate through different situations from all types of viewpoints. I know I just went all over the world. I hope y'all kept up with me. No, 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 because no, I'm going to bring it back in for you. I'm going to bring in my sister-in-law's comments because realistically, with, with your coming out story, and this can relate to anybody who is either on the verge of wanting to tell their family and friends about themselves or dealing with juggling, you know, relationships. Um, If you are compassionate to people around you and taking away any expectations on how you would want them to react or feel to, to you, then it kind of increases your ability to have open communication and make sure that relationships don't break because while you went through a difficult time with your mom and your dad, your relationship before your mom sadly passed away was great and solid. And your relationship now with your dad, now he's at 71 is solid and great because you were able to be compassionate, even though it hurt you to hear some of the comments they may have said or their reactions, you were like, they're an older generation you know, they love me, they're processing, like all of these things you said throughout today's episode, you were allowing them the opportunity, space and time to 
to heal and process. And therefore that was, you know, your ability to where they Mm -hmm. came back to you full circle because you were compassionate with them. They could be compassionate with you and then you could. And and that that is, that is so innately true when it comes to that situation or relationship with my dad, because we did not have a great relationship when I was younger because he was, he wasn't around as much. And I, I didn't like, my brother was very attached to him and I didn't like how he interacted with my brother and I didn't like how my, you know, I just didn't, I didn't like their relationship. So it's like, you know, it, it was one of those typical situations. We're, we're separated and mom and dad are getting together. But, you know, my son, my first, my, my only son, and my only son, but my son and daughter, my son's younger, he's more connected to me off top. But then my daughter is telling me X, mm. Y, and Z about how she, and X, Y, and Z, I'm so sorry. My daughter is telling me that she, that she likes girls. Hold on, <laughs> I'm, I'm disconnected from her. And this is a tidbit that I learned. I don't know if I, I don't know if I shared this with CJ yet because I'm finding out he's learning other things. But a tidbit I learned about my dad during that time was he completely mentally disconnected from me. He wasn't going to deal with me anymore because in his era, in his, in his uh, generation, that just, you just don't do that. That is a taboo situation. Now your dad, give people Oh yeah, okay. Your dad he grew, grew up in the, in the South, South in the in the 50s. Yeah. Uh, sorry, in the 40s. So the the mental state of, of society, oh, oh, in Alabama, Alabama, nonetheless, in the South. So the mental the mental state of society was completely different for him growing up. So for him to hear this type of news, he he didn't know how to take it at first. But I I want I don't want to get off this podcast without commending my dad to the utmost. Because over the years, and yes, it has taken him an eon, it feels like. But I can say today, I've never <laughs> not felt love for my dad from him. He has his own way of displaying it. You have to know him to understand whatever, whatever. You got to yeah, know right. what to look for. You have to know what Pisces you're looking gang, for. Look, Pisces, Pisces gang, your dad and I are Pisces. Ooh, you got to know. deliver love in a different way. You can't, uh, you come on now. You can see it on your and he, loving you. <laughs> now I have married a Pisces With, and know how to navigate <laughs> right. the Thank you, but, And so he did not, we did not have the greatest, we didn't have, we didn't have any relationship. I'm not, I'm going to go ahead and not sugarcoat it. We didn't really have any relationship when I was younger, but um, the first time my dad was being a dad to me was the first time I broke up with someone who I felt like I was head over heels in love with and I was completely de- devastated behind our breakup and my dad pulled me aside and I was in my 20s so yes I was old enough to drink he popped a he popped me a brew handed it to me and said you don't go out there and you cry in public to people who hurt you you go cry in the corner get your feelings out and you come back out shining and you keep moving forward you don't let people know who've hurt you that you are hurt and I couldn't even think about being hurt anymore mm. That because I was like so it. dumbfounded that, that at like 25 or 26, I believe I was like 25, 26. This is the first time. And even now at 37 years old, this is the first, that's the first memory of my dad being a father to me. Understand what I'm saying. My dad being a father to me. So for mental health reasons, that was the moment at 20 something that my relationship with my dad started to change and evolve in a, in a positive manner. Which led us to where we're at today. Mm. We are solid. Which led us to you guys today being <laughs> quarantined together. In the in middle a of a kitchen renovation. renovation of all things. Like, they could be rid of in the bathroom. One of the three bathrooms. No. We are limited on our cooking resources. It is the worst right now. <laughs> oh, my God. Portia, yes. Portia, Portia, a.k.a. Barbara P. And by the way, she's Ooh-hoo. a barber. That's why we're calling her that. She does some great. Whoa, what do you what, call them? What? Clip, clap, clip cuts. Buzz cuts. Wow. Buzz I'm gonna, cuts. Yeah. Let me let me go ahead and um, <laughs> at 
Here we go. Here we go. Let me go ahead and help myself out because my uh, unofficial manager just jacked my whole name up. Um, (laughs) Instagram (laughs) at Portia, P-O-R-S-C-H-A, period, T-H-A, period, Barber. Um, uh, uh, Facebook, the same, at Portia the Barber. Check me out. I'm in Southern California in the U.S. in the States, baby. But don't come now, though. We're not doing... We're not doing haircuts right now. It's, it's all about that quarantine. We're cutting Pusha. this quarantine is over. Pusha, no one in the world can go in here. Right. I feel like it's me. I feel like it's just me. Plan your future haircuts. Plan your future haircuts. Hey, but peace. It's been nice talking to you. We really appreciate it. Um, it's I've learned a lot. Um, I'm I'm assuming Janae learned some. Ooh. If she hasn't, then we have some things to talk about. Janae, I've Janae, learned a lot. Keep it 100. Keep it 100. Yeah, right. You learned a lot, right? You learned a lot. Cool. I did. I learned a lot, but I, you know, real quick, we got to end this. It's been like an hour. Uh, You said that you're like fluent in rainbow. Give us something. How can non LGBT people be respectful and kind? Do not ask. Don't assume that someone who dresses in more predominantly male clothing or maybe bigger clothing like I do or male clothing. Don't assume they want to be called a dude or sir. Because I don't. I don't want to be a man. I don't want to, I don't want to have a sex change. I am completely 1,000% comfortable with being a woman. I'm every woman. Just so I, I, I looked around the room. I, lo- I, I looked around the room just to see if something was happening. But um, uh, to, to wrap that up, be comfortable in who you are. Because at the end of the day, um, you have to live with you. When, when you go to sleep at night, you have to live with the choices you made for that day. And if you're not happy with who you are when you lay down and go to bed because you've made choices to make other people happy, even though it made you unhappy, then you're making the wrong choices. I have never compromised my happiness over somebody else's feeling of who I look like, who they may think I am because of how I look. I've walked into every single job interview since I was 15, either with slacks and a button up or full on suit with a jacket. And I have not felt inferior, uncomfortable or unconfident at all. I'm sure I didn't get some of my job positions because of prejudices to who they saw, but that didn't deter me and that didn't stop me from doing it. To this day, I have not been to one job interview and address. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that to tie into my my point of if you're not doing it because it makes you happy, then you shouldn't be doing it at all. Because at the end of the day, no matter what you do, somebody is going to dislike what you do. So do do what's going to make you happy. And I'm out. Do you boo and I'm out. Portia Cannon, thank you so much. There's one more thing to ask. You good? You good? Yo, I'm good. Yo, yo, yo. All right, y'all. I'll see you at Thanksgiving.